Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource for Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson. I'm an assistant professor of pastoral ministry and author in residence at Midwestern Seminary. And I'm here as always with my friend and my co-host, Ross Ferguson, academic advisor. How are you, brother? I'm doing very well. And I, I'm thinking that you have a cap on your head that says Harvard. Yes, right. And I'm pretty sure you never went there. I went to Harvard a couple of months ago. I went there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that's what I like to say. Yeah, I wear this cap and people say, did you go to Harvard? I said, yeah, a couple of months ago. Um, I got it in the gift shop. I didn't even get it in the gift shop in Harvard. It was the gift shop across the street. Okay. Oh, it's the cheaper it's gift It's the shop. cheaper gift yeah. shop, but it was the coolest cap that I could okay. find. So. Okay. Yeah, I'm not giving I've those been, Harvard I've been jokers. D- distracted since we arrived and we were kind of going, <laughs> I didn't know you went to Harvard. It's something wearing the Harvard cap at Midwestern Seminary it's in the in, studio. It's an interesting My head thing. didn't burst into flames when I walked in. <laughs> it should have just by wearing a cap. Like, don't yeah. tell the president I'm wearing a cap it's, it's in the not, seminary. It's not business casual wear. So. Well... Yeah. I mean, it's Wednesday. It's summer. There's no one here. I'm wearing shorts and I'm wearing a cap. Sorry. Just so you know, I am business casual. I follow the rules. So. Okay. Well, <laughs> Mr. Legalist, I'm under grace. Hey, speaking of grace, we've got some new reviews that have been added to our podcast. People are really responding to my uh, guilt tripping of them. It's really great to actually see that people are engaging in this way. That's right. So here's Aaron Morrow. Aaron says, excellent. Five stars. I listen to a lot of podcasts, but this is a must listen for me on a weekly basis because the hosts have a robust understanding of what gospel centered means and how it applies to ministry and life. Appreciate the hard work the host, the hosts do on this show. Well, thank you very much, Aaron. He said host singular, so he probably means me. Yeah. The hard work that I do. I know is that the host. (laughs) What by the co-host? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he means hosts. Uh I think it's just a typo. (laughs) This comes from Fisher. Something like that. Fisher 84, one of my favorite podcasts, five stars. I look forward to getting a new episode each week. Jared and Ross bring great insight into the topics they cover, even ones about Christian movies and UFOs. You and I haven't talked about UFOs. That's a, that's an old Roddy Kurtz We are uh, episode. fine not to talk about them. I think we could do it. <laughs> He's, she or he says, I have recommended this podcast to many others and will continue to do so. Whether a pastor, lay leader, or congregant, this is beneficial to the church. Thanks so much, Pla Fisher. Uh, Z. Hewn, I think I know who this is. Zach Hewn, formerly member of Liberty Baptist Church, but who has since moved on with his lovely wife. Encouraging and insightful. Five stars. Definitely recommended for Christians in all stages of life. Each topic is given thoughtful care where the listeners are pointed to Christ and unity in him. Thanks for your differing opinions and lighthearted banter. It's insightful to hear them, and the comfortable tones make it feel like I'm there watching you just casually hang out and chat. Awesome. It's Thank like you, Newsflash, that's exactly what we're doing. We're casually hanging out and chatting. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got a cap and shorts on, so I'm about as casual as possible in the beautiful Spurgeon Library. This one comes from C.P. Smith 71. C.P. Smith 71 says, thoughtful and funny, five stars. J Money. Okay. J Money and Lil Fergie are always engaging and thought provoking. Thanks for sharing. Someone actually listens. Someone's actually listening to this. Although I've got to be honest. That's a callback to the nicknames. If you were really listening, only one person could call Jared J Money and Lil Fergie. I'll take it as a compliment. (laughs) J Money and Lil Fergie. I love it. Okay. This one comes from N.A. Smith. I think they might be related. 
N.A. Smith? N.A. Smith and C.P. Smith. Oh, maybe so. Maybe so. N.A. Smith says, helpful, encouraging, and comedic. Five stars. It's Jared's podcast, and he can (laughs) whine if he wants to. I love it. Sincerely, no longer a freeloader. P.S. Here's Ross's mention. (laughs) So they made sure to to add you into the review. Yeah, I'm so grateful I got mentioned. And they gave gave us a review, which means they're not a podcast freeloader like everyone who hasn't given us a review. Yeah, on the front end, I'll just remind folks, you can go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a good review if you would like. Spotify and other platforms allow for stars, but we like to see you gush about how good we are and funny we are and thoughtful can we I are. Can I call you G-Money from now on? You can, whatever you would like to call me. In fact, maybe that's what we'll do on our next intro. Welcome to the <laughs> it's podcast. J-Money. It's J-Money here with Lil Ferg. We need some like golden medallion. Lil Ferg's not bad. Like Fergie just sounds a little feminine to me. Lil Fergie. But Lil Ferg sounds like a rapper. Machine. We got Lil Ferg with us. Uh, hey man, today's topic <laughs> Is an interesting one. It's hopefully going to be a funny one. It's embarrassing preacher stories. And self-deprecating, I think this episode is going to be. Yeah, I mean, we could talk about things that have embarrassed other people, but we're going to talk about our own. Our own embarrassing preacher uh, pre- stories. And, yeah, and I, I, you said you've got... I got a few. You got a few. You know, the one I want to start with is one that actually involves both of us. I don't know oh, if you put okay, that on. Okay, put this one on. <laughs> you didn't put this one on. So a few weeks back... At Liberty Baptist Church, Ross was leading the service, Mm. which entails a number of things. When you lead the service, you do the opening call to worship and announcement. You do the, usually the the prayer or, yeah, usually the corporate prayer. And then at the end, you do the benediction and call of the, for the offering and that sort of thing. But anyway, in the opening announcements, You made a mistake. I made a key mistake. You said, welcome to Lincoln, Lincoln Baptist, Baptist Church, Church, which is a former church it of yours. It is a former church of mine, yes. Yeah. It, 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 it's an LBC. It's an In LBC. your defense, it's an LBC like Liberty. You said Lincoln and... I didn't even notice. Yeah. I Like I said, welcome to Lincoln Baptist Church, and everyone just went, oh, yeah, what, right. what happened? Well, they kind of laughed, and you laughed it off, and it was funny, yeah. and et cetera, et cetera. Well, I was preaching that Sunday... And when I got up to preach, uh-huh. when it was time to preach, I went up to the pulpit and I said s- something about liberty. I said, and I emphasized it, we're at liberty. Yeah, you said we're at Liberty Baptist <laughs> Church. And and then I looked at you and uh, I kind of did the little like the finger point thing, yeah. my eyes to your eyes. Yeah. People to can be honest, you're missing that. a key point. What, what happened? What, what? The after I said Lincoln Baptist Church, you messaged the pastoral training center guys <laughs> and said, Ross is fired. Ross is fired. <laughs> so before you even got up, yeah, okay. you were aiming at me. Okay. So I said you were fired on the the PTC chat. And then I got up to preach and I made a comment about it's liberty. And I yeah. looked at you and made a little mark. Well, then I get to preach. In, and in the first service, the line that I had in my manuscript was, we are great sinners, but Christ is a better savior. Yes. And I was so worked up. I was really feeling it. I, I was in the zone and I wasn't exactly looking at the manuscript. Uh, it was just, you know, when you like, when you're preaching your manuscript, but you're not tied to it. Right. And I just declare out with, I mean, it was so emphatic and I was so passionate about it. We are great saviors. <laughs> and of course everyone starts laughing and I was like, you know, it took me right out of the thing and I'm sure yeah. it took them out of whatever thing they were in and quickly had to correct myself. And I feel like that's the Lord. Yeah. Humbling me, I essentially blaspheming in the middle of the service right after. It was my comeuppance. 
And I actually made sure you were aware of this because at the end <laughs> of the service, when I was closing out the benediction, I said, I am so glad that it's not just me that needs to uh, understand what he says. So you are going to get away with it for, with me. Uh, but no, I, I still remember when you even said we're all great saviors and you were really passionate about the point. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if they put the second service as the recording. I hope they I did. told Paul to do that. So yeah. the second service, I got it right. I was very self-conscious about it. Yeah. And it was better for, you know, from other, in other respects as well. So I, I said to Paul, make sure you use the second service sermon as the recording. So I'm going to start small with just like a few things. And okay. I, I have one really big one, okay. which I'm going to leave towards the <laughs> okay. end. Uh, Maybe one, we'll we'll we'll, put, we'll leave that as the cherry we'll on top at the, the end. Okay. On top by the end, it, it it's going to need a few minutes. Okay. I'll tell you that. Okay, um, I I'm really bad for speaking really fast when I preach. So uh, most guys that do like a 35 minute sermon, their manuscript would be maybe three three and a half thousand words. I tend to fit in about five to five and a half thousand words. I mean, even on this podcast, I speak quite fast, and that causes me some problems every so often. And specific words cause me problems when I preach. So the word I have in mind is bread. Bread causes me a lot of problems. Bread. Bread. Okay. So when you're doing communion and <laughs> you're saying that we're going to take the bread and Christ broke bread. So that word can be replaced with bled. Quite often when I speak, I'll be like, and he broke bled or we're going to take this bled. <laughs> and so that was bad. But what is worse is when you replace the word bread with bed. And when Jesus broke bed, <laughs> and I'm not kidding you, this is a weekly issue. This is not something like every week I'd be like, okay, bread. Okay. And so Christ broke, you, you know, when you're trying to lead someone in something serious, and yeah. like the whole congregation is just snickering because it's yeah. coming. So we've had irreverent <laughs> communion fairly regularly, purely because I can't say the word bread, but I have, uh, I call them trip words, the words okay. you just know you're going to trip over. Okay. Uh, and bread is my most significant one. I know it doesn't sound embarrassing as you're uh, blaspheming <laughs> in the middle of service, but it's just that awful feeling that you've made a really bad joke or something yeah. and people don't realize it. But yeah, I struggle to get the words out and I can't slow down. It's just yeah. the way I speak. So. Well, and you know, I think those who've preached for a while too, you get used to sort of your analyzing as yes. you're going. Yeah. So, you know, one part of your brain is just, you know, doing the work. And then the other part of your brain is it's going, redoing. what are my hands doing? Yeah. How am I sounding? What am I looking like? What is, you know, you're just sort of reviewing yourself as you go. One thing I noticed too, is I'll use the recurring phrases a lot. And my part of my brain is like, stop doing that. What yeah. do you do? And I'll pronounce the word our, yeah. as in like, this is our church and this is our congregation as our, <laughs> like our, our, and part of my brain is saying, why are you sounding like a pirate? Every, our, and maybe no one else is even noticing that, but I you notice it. I'm like, it, yeah. you have to stop saying that. You yeah. have to enunciate our, so you're not yeah. saying our all the time. So my very first sermon that I can recall preaching okay. is one of my stories. Okay. Is an embarrassing, I think it's embarrassing. It's somewhat funny, I suppose. But this was in my attraction all day. I mean, I was, you know, this was, I was fresh out of high school. And it was one of the very first times I was given a Wednesday night youth service to preach at. And I decided I was going to do an object lesson. Oh, okay. So I'm preaching on the turning of water into wine. Yep. And what I what I had was I had this clear pitcher and I had two pitchers that I put on the table in front of the pulpit. 
and one was full of of liquid yep. that I said was water. Yes. It was actually white grape juice. Yes. The other pitcher was empty, and in the bottom, you couldn't see it from the congregation, from the chairs. There was red food coloring that I had put in the bottom of the thing. Yeah. So I had this magic trick, essentially, yep. that... And during the climactic moment in the service, I took the clear pitcher liquid and poured it into the empty pitcher. And of course, it's coming up as red liquid. The liquid is changing miraculously in front of everybody. I'm turning water into wine. And of course, people are somewhat um, impressed by this, particularly the junior high kids. You know, the junior high boys are like, what's going on? I think the high school kids are probably too busy making out in the back of the room. But the younger kids were like really impressed. But the real thing is then I poured it into a cup and I you know, had a kid drink it. I said, yeah. uh, you have to make sure it's the real thing. And yeah. so they taste it. I said, what does it taste like? And he goes, tastes like grape juice. Mm. So in his mind, I had just turned water yeah. into grape juice. Basically, yeah. I had turned water into wine. And my point was something about like, the proof is in the taste. Like yeah, you can't yeah. just look diff. you know, you yeah. have to actually be different or something. But it's embarrassing to me because it's so cheesy yeah. and so corny to do this dumb magic trick. It, and and it kind of characterized the first probably seven years or so of my preaching of like what's the gimmick what's the hook what's the thing i think object lessons work on occasion i mean i remember doing uh, malachi and taking a bag of kfc up onto the and this was a sermon to adults okay a bag of kfc (laughs) up to the pulpit and when it got to the point of you know you're just giving me kind of like the decrepit bones of kind of the offering i would pull out a kfc like chicken chicken wing that's been half chewed and be like there you go god this is this and i remember just after it going one my hands are really greasy yeah i can't figure out how you would turn your pages after uh, that. to well it was an ipad so even oh, worse wow I've seen, like, chicken grease on oh. the ipad and three the look on everyone's faces was not oh yeah i really get your point it was very much a he's fired <laughs> no so my my next one actually that's really bad because i think i've done that same talk you've done and the same object like did you okay so, uh, and again, that's why everyone knows it. Okay, <laughs> mine comes back to my voice again. So I was visiting speaking. I was doing pulpit supply for a friend of mine in an evening service. It was one of these really warm days in the UK. So not hot American standards, but very hot UK standards. So it was really hot and, and turned up to this church, really lovely evening. And we walked into this really kind of small church building and maybe sit 25, 30 people, but it was freezing cold. I mean, I've never like felt a contrast <laughs> like this before. It literally was. Sorry, I'm snoring. <laughs> yeah, going from this boiling hot outside, freezing cold inside. And I stood up to preach and I was like two minutes into it and it was going well until something happened. Okay. And my voice just went, <laughs> I'm not kidding you. like my throat tightened to the point where I couldn't say a word. And I stopped and I was like, I tried to say a word and it just went, like nothing <laughs> would come out. And it was like the heat change had gone to my voice. Yeah. And everyone's just like staring at me going, it's this, it's like a like pregnant pause type thing. And I was preaching yeah. on Jude. And I think I got to the point where I was like, and they're waterless clout. <laughs> and a guy just said, would you like a glass of water? And I was like, I couldn't even say the word. Oh, like the, your voice oh, was voice all, gone. Totally locked up. Totally locked wow. up. And I'm like looking at Miriam, who's on the front row, and I'm like looking at her going, what do I do? Like, I'm here to preach and I'm 10 minutes in and yeah. I can't say anything. And I managed to get the words out <laughs> for two glasses of water. And I'm, I'm not kidding you. This was like five to 10 minutes. I'm standing at the front, downing this water. 
And I managed to get the voice back, and I, so I started, and there were waterless clouds, and I'm like <laughs> trying to do this through strained voice. I got through the whole sermon, and I was like, that was wonderful, we left, and many were like, what happened? <laughs> and I had that just this weekend. I mean, this is maybe the second time I've ever huh. had it. This weekend, I was in a conversation with people, and it happened again. I'm just talking like this, as normal, no feeling, you know, throat doesn't feel sore, and it just yeah. goes, uh, and you Whoa. can't say anything. And it's, uh, I mean, the, the story goes, I told the, the pastor of this church, Jeff, he's a good friend of mine, um, and Jeff just went, maybe the Lord was telling you to shut up. <laughs> like, so, well, it felt like that. Uh, but I, I chose the path of, I think the devil was trying to shut me up mm, and through a couple of glasses of water, mm, I powered through it, you know? Yeah. Uh, but that now terrifies me that when I go up, I so I take like two or three bottles of water to church with me to avoid that ever happening again. I always have water now and I carry most of the time, probably nine times out of 10, I've got cough drops. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure they're, you know, seasoned preachers who've got their little routines and things, their hot tea with honey and yeah. whatever. But yeah, as I've gotten older, it's become more of an issue. The mornings are always more difficult than preaching in the evenings yeah. for whatever reason. And I, so I always have cough drops with me because that sometimes happens. Speaking of voice, so I've got this one down. It's not the most embarrassing thing, but it's pretty embarrassing for me at the time, okay. which was, this was several years ago. This is when I lived in Vermont, and but I was preaching at a conference in Maine. And Matt Chandler and Ray Ortland were there also. Two of my favorite preachers. Mm -hmm. I'd never preached in front of them before. They're sitting on the front row. Okay. I so wanted them to be impressed. Yeah. Um, I so wanted to do justice to these guys who are heroes of mine. And I don't even remember what I was preaching on. But I remember I was, again, I was feeling it. I was mm -hmm. passionate. And I got to the point where I'm going to yell something. Yeah. And my voice cracked. Oh, no. It became effeminate okay, in some right. way. I it think. was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it was supposed to be like a booming baritone. And the sermon itself was, oh, it was so bad. Yeah. It was just, I, I I totally muffed it. It was actually, oh, I do remember what it was. It was First Peter 5. I was basically doing what became the pastor's justification book. Yeah. It was kind of like the pastor's justification was what I was doing. And there was a point where I probably was trying to talk about, you know, the chief, when the chief shepherd appeared or yeah. something, he's going to give you the unfading crown of glory. It was some climactic yeah. moment, and my voice just went, oh, oh. and there was frowning. There was a bunch of people there, but it didn't matter about all the people. What mattered yeah. to me was Matt Chandler and Ray Ortland have just heard me for the <laughs> first time and now think they are uh, they should be embarrassed to be associated yeah. with me. And, man, I was so, I'm, I'm, like, I'm laughing about it now. Yeah. It I was hurts, so like, disappointed. Yeah. I, I mean, I was so bummed out, and I came off of the stage when it was done. And I think I was probably just wearing, and what I do remember, this was not embarrassing, but I remember Ray, who I'd known for a number of years before that and was a good friend to me before that and a good mentor. He kind of grabbed me. I think he knew that I knew yeah. that it was terrible yeah, and wanted to encourage me. And he, I think he just started by saying something about, you know, enjoying the sermon or something. And I was like, I just blew that off. I was like, no, it was terrible. And he said, stop it. Stop it. And I was like, whoa. He was like chastising me. And then he mentioned a part of the sermon that I was actually kind of proud of, a little run that I had yeah. done, you know. He mentioned this little part that he said was so powerful, you know. And Ray's not a liar. And that really helped. I didn't walk away going, oh, it was a good sermon. I walked away going, oh, it was a terrible sermon. But I also felt very encouraged yeah. and, and comforted by him to kind of point out a part that was yeah. meaningful or powerful or something, you know. That's good for you. I just heard that the voice cracked at the <laughs> end. It was, yeah, it was not good. It, it, uh, I mean, because you're up there. I mean, you just feel like yeah. this is my time to be impressive. That's kind of what I was thinking. You know, I'm going to 
and in the moment, man, I just thought like, I'm going to let it go. And then, yeah. and, and the Lord said, I'm nope. going to take you down a few yeah. notches, actually. <laughs> Get a little too big for your britches. Well, I'm going to up the ante a little bit. Okay. Take her to a whole family story. Okay. Um, which was embarrassing after the fact, maybe not necessarily during it. So Christmas Eve, first pastorate, so it's 10, 10 years ago, first pastorate. At Christmas Eve, we had done this like big event. It's really small church. So small community, small church, 20, 25 people. We had done this uh, Christmas Eve invite, invited everybody in the community to come to it. We had over 70 people there, which for a you know, 20 people church, this was really exciting. I was buzzing. I was like, I can't believe it. The community has yeah. turned out really excited about this. Miriam, less excited because <laughs> we have a two-year-old and twin babies. And so she was coming to the Christmas Eve. It's hard when you have young kids to come to the service, especially if your husband's speaking, especially as your husband's really excited about it. So I'm at the front doing my thing. And Miriam's uh, sitting at the back with our eldest and one of our twins. The other twin is in my mum's arms right in the middle of the sanctuary, fast asleep on my mother. And there was this kind of timing, which was a bit of an issue with our twins, just because the twins tended to be like, when you have twins, you kind of feed them both at the same time and all this sort of stuff. So a lot of complications just getting your family to church. Well, I'm standing at the front having a wheel of the time, preaching the gospel, <laughs> Christmas Eve. We had a really impactful situation where there was a, an adoptive child there who had never had a Christmas Eve, never had Christmas oh, wow. presents, never heard the gospel. And it was just, you, you just could feel God was going to do something. Well, Miriam's at the back and one of our children disappeared underneath a chair. And let's just say that toilet training isn't always easy when you go to church. <laughs> and so Miriam was getting suspicious. And so anyway, managed to kind of pull all the children together and realized that an accident had happened, and often the case when you have young kids. And so I was trying to go, like, do, do I take um, our eldest and our twin to the bathroom and sort this out? But where's the other twin? Okay, I'm just going to have to go for it, and I'm just going to have to take two out of the three out and sort them out, and hopefully the other twin will be fine. So Miriam is kind of thinking, oh, what, what do we do here? Okay, so she takes out one twin, takes out our eldest, sorts them out. Now, the twin that she took out did not like to leave Miriam's side. And how do you sort out one child when the other child refuses to leave your sight? Well, you give your child to the lovely church secretary who has offered her help. The second they handed over the twin, it was ah! And non-stop screaming for like 10 minutes as everything goes on. Anyway, Miriam's quite harassed. Everything's going on. She's managed to get, you know, one child changed. Uh, you know, child who's been screaming for 10 minutes has all calmed down, comes back into the service. I am at the front preaching my socks off you know like i don't have a clue what's going on yeah, with yeah. her i can see my mother with one of the twins still fast asleep anyway mary comes back and sits down child disappears again turns out said child has gone under the chair and now crawled through the wet mess that has previously been left there uh. and miriam just gives up she's like i can't do this anymore i like the, i've got one kid screaming i've got another kid that's been changed and now gone through what they've just done and so she's like, what do I do? Because my one twin's over there. I've got two kids here. Anyway, the service comes to an end and Miriam just gets the kids and goes home. We live in the parsonage just right around the corner, a manse around the corner. And so she's gone. So I'm coming off the platform. Isn't this amazing? The gospel's been preached. <laughs> I'm really excited. Miriam, uh, my mother's just gone, oh, by the way, Miriam's just headed home. No problem. I get it. You know, kids, they need to go to bed. I'm having a whale of a time. I'm, I'm totally on high. Uh, I leave thinking this child, I think, may have given their life to Christ this evening. 
you know, I've kind of proven the elders we can do community work. And I'm not kidding you. I close that church door and I am almost skipping back to the house because <laughs> I can't believe yeah, what yeah. God has done. I opened the door and Miriam just went, that was awful. It's <laughs> just like, well, what happened? And so Miriam's recounting this whole story to me. And I'm sitting there going, and what's really embarrassing now, 10 years on, I'm going, my name's going like, that's really hard evening. And she told me the story. I'm going, mm. and the whole time I'm in my head going, but I preached it really. <laughs> and maybe you did. And maybe I did, <laughs> but it's taught me. And, and this is, it was an embarrassing thing for our family to go through, more of a hard thing for our family that evening. But it just reminded me that remember your pastor's wives, because when their husband's up there preaching their socks hmm. off, they're usually dealing with 101 things and it's not as fun usually. Yes. But yeah, I, I kept all the names out of that story <laughs> in case one day in the future. But if you think that was bad, wait till my last story. Okay. <laughs> all right, I've got one. So I, I don't know if this is a self-fulfilling prophecy or what, but um, this is at my last church. In the beginning of the message, right before I was you know, beginning you know, to launch into the sermon, I made some kind of disclaimer, you know, about the importance of this message. Okay. And I said, I said something like, if you survive to the end of this sermon. Oh, wow. Or if you're alive at the end of this sermon. It was something like that. If you're alive at the end of this sermon. Yeah. Or if you don't drop dead before the end of this sermon. It was something like that. I was really trying to arrest attention. Mm -hmm. So I made some kind of remark about, you know, you got to make it through. <laughs> Halfway through guy a guy kills over oh my word and it was a small church so like you notice it's not yeah. like you know this happens in some security or uh, emergency team comes and rushes somebody out of the you know yeah. darkened you know auditorium this is like you know rural church the light in my eyes yeah. just see it so not only do i see this guy kill over older man i, I didn't know who he was he was actually the father of an older couple who were yeah. visiting yeah. and so i didn't really even know the whole family he I mean, literally falls over and we think that he has just died, had a heart attack or something. I walk from the pulpit actually straight out to the fellowship hall to call 911. Cell phones do, do not yeah. work in our church. So there's nobody who, who's calling on a cell phone on, you know, from the sanctuary. So I go to the landline that's in the fellowship hall, forgetting that my mic is still on. I've got the oh, little headset mic. Good. So everyone in the sanctuary can hear everything that I'm saying. I call 911. I say, you know, a guy just killed over. Can you send an ambulance? Da, da, da. I know it's going to take a while. I'm a little nervous about that. They asked me on the, they asked me his name for some reason. They're like, what, well, and you know, what's his name? And I don't know if the sanctuary can hear that question, but they hear me saying, I don't know his name. <laughs> and the whole time I'm thinking, a guy just died <laughs> after I said, if you survived, if you survived to the end of this sermon. And he, he was taken to the hospital. He turned out fine. I'm sure he's not, you know, he was a, a very elderly man. And yeah. like I said, his son was an old man. And so he's probably no longer with us now, but went that afternoon to visit him in the hospital. Had a fantastic story, actually. Yeah. Was a World War II veteran, uh, a fighter pilot. I mean, like he had a really, it, I, I just said to him, I was like, I wish this wasn't the circumstance by which I got to know you. It'd yeah. be nice to have this you know, learn these things about you over coffee and yeah. not in your hospital room. Yeah. But I was also so glad that he was alive, that whatever happened, it might have been heat, something like that. Yeah. But that's not the first time. I mean, that's not the only time that's happened to in that same church. That disclaimer. But I didn't, I've, but it's the first time and only time I use that <laughs> disclaimer. I never would say such a thing. I just thought in the middle of it, I killed this guy by 
by saying you might not survive and a guy was about to die on me so i could just um, imagine the members like specifically the members usually on the back row hearing you say i don't know his name <laughs> yeah yeah it was a thing oh, there was probably more that was embarrassing that i've blocked out of my memory yeah. but that's the core of it yeah oh, man. all right the okay. cherry the cherry, the cherry on, on, the top. on top okay so uh, anyone that knows me will know this story this is <laughs> the fateful Carol's by Candlelight Service. Um, so the Carol's by Candlelight Service. So I, this was my last church revitalization. We we're in a, a phase of growing the church uh, where we're looking at developing some of our services. Carol's by Candlelight was one of the services that were fairly common. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks before Christmas, we would come together, we would sing several carols and tell the story of the gospel through those carols and then present an evangelistic message. And the idea being this was trying to bring the community into the church. There was big hype about this service. This was kind of the launch of our all our evangelistic uh, events through the, the next month. So we had really gone all out. We had done a fellowship meal before the service. So it was trying to bring people together around food. And we had the whole sanctuary. It was dark. And so I was tasked with how do we light this to make it by Carol's by Candlelight. So I got some fairy lights, different things like that. But I said, how many candles should we get? And they said, oh, I think maybe you know, a hundred will do. And I went, nah, let's do a thousand. And so I went and bought a thousand candles and set them all up. Somebody's going to light all those, man. Uh, well, yes, indeed. Uh, and so this service begins and uh, there's a whole story. It starts with, it was poorly attended. So I was kind of flat already. The fellowship meal we had prepared for a hundred, I think maybe 20 people turned up. So I was kind of feeling quite flat. Our uh, One of our church leader's wives as she came into the service, uh, she was on crutches and had a had a, a leg injury. She fell outside coming to the church. So there was just a lot of kind of negative feeling that I was feeling coming into the service. And then we had to light all these candles. And of course, as you light all the candles, as you move around, they start to go out and just there was a lot going on. So anyway, by the time we start the service, I'm looking out as a half empty room. So I'm kind of going, oh, this is a bit of a bust. And this was a time in my life where I saw numbers as important rather than who was there as important. Sure. So anyway, you've got all these candles. On top of the organ, specifically on top of the organ, there are 400 candles. On top of the communion table, there are 200 candles. And these are kind of two big lights, if you will, in the service. So I stand up in the service at the start, welcome everyone to it and say, you know, this is Carol's by Candlelight. There is candles. You are all firefighters today. So if something goes wrong, don't just stare at it. Please step in. We've got buckets and, and you'll just step in. I hope that you won't need to, but step in. Are we good? And everyone's yeah. like, yeah, let's go for it. So anyway, I'm playing the drums and I'm speaking in this. I'm up on the drum kit on the platform playing the drums and I see everyone's eyes dart to one side. I think nothing of it. Keep playing. And then I see them dart again. And so I look over and it turns out on top of the organ, something weird was happening with the air where the air kind of just culminated at the organ and took 400 candles and whipped them together <laughs> into one large flame. Like a fireball. Like a fireball. Okay. And everyone's staring at it. No one's doing anything. I'm kind of like playing the drums while... Well, you what know, can you do about a fireball? Well, so... As this fireball was increasing, one of our wonderful leader's husbands, he was kind of going, right, I need to respond to this. So he went and got a wet rag, wet tea towel and brought it to the candles and threw over it. And the sound you heard was 
like this. Uh-huh. And so the song comes to an end and, you know, I'm trying to you know, quench light, the spirit. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to make light of it. And I just went to anyone. I went, does anyone want fajitas? And like trying to just joke about it. Well, anyway, he makes the mistake of lifting the towel off. And so then smoke just kind of bills into the room. And we just, I just carry on because that's what you do. You just keep going through the service. Well, somehow these candles all lit themselves again. It was like a couple still were lit. And so as I'm going through the next song, the fireball reappears. And so the same guy comes over, throws the (laughs) wet tea towel on top and does the same thing again of lifting a tea towel. So I, as I'm playing this song before I speak, I can start to hear that because <laughs> I'm not kidding you. The smoke was significant yeah. now in the room. So I then see one of my church leaders open the windows at the back of the church <laughs> and I overhear a yeah. particular member saying, oh, great. We freeze to death instead of dying from smoke <laughs> inhalation. So then the windows get closed and all this is kind of going on and it's nuts. Like the smoke yeah, everywhere. Yeah. So I stand up to speak. And this is my 10 minutes, like gospel presentation. My eyes are burning <laughs> from the smoke. Like I'm bright red eyes. I'm kind of, uh, so when we talk about uh, Jesus and like everyone's coughing, it's really bad. And you know, when you have a projector screen and um, uh, the light coming through, yeah. I can see the smoke in the air. Honestly, it was like a, this awful environment. Actually, one church member said afterwards that, that she gave me such great respect. She was like, even if our church is burning down, he preaches the gospel. And so <laughs> there you go. So this evening has just gone so badly. And when it comes to the end of the service, the guys switch on the lights. I'm not kidding. You couldn't see a thing. There's so much smoke in this room. Everyone just like leaves this service because it's absolutely horrendous. And I'm kind of really flat and kind of going, this has been leaving the service. A guy just comes up to me and went, Ross, do you have any spare pants? And just to be clear, in the UK, pants mean underwear. underwear okay. So he just goes, basically, Ross, do you have any spare underwear? I'm looking at him going, what? <laughs> like this evening can't get any worse. I'm literally tearing up from the smoke. And he was like, and I was like, well, we got homeless ministries. I, I guess there'll be some in the the cupboard, go and get somebody. He was like, great. And he just disappears. Unknown to me through this whole debacle of a service where everyone's crying from the smoke, a lady has taken unwell. And let's just say that she has a, a stomach issue and has had to run to the bathroom to deal with said some stomach issue. And the wife of this guy that came up to me to ask if you've got any spare underwear, his wife went to care for this lady. And in one stall, there was a lady struggling. And the other stall, there was another lady struggling because of the smell. And so they put on the door um, out of order, as in don't go in here. So as I'm going through a disaster service, (laughs) this couple's gone through a disaster trying to care for somebody. And at the end, everyone's left and I'm just kind of stacking these candles up. And it was just an awful time. I was feeling really sad, you know, just like this was dreadful. I had two people chipping off wax from the organ. Because I was like, I can't let the organist see that there's wax everywhere. Yeah, I was about to ask, was there anything under these candles? Or you there just was. The there was wooden trees that okay. had warped so they, because of the heat. Really? So they were destroyed. So I'm stacking <laughs> these candles. And one of my leaders just come up and went, Ross, are you ever going to do candles again? I went, no. Why are you stacking them? I went, yeah, good point. And I literally just tossed a lot of them in the rubbish. And so I am totally dejected. There's wax everywhere. The building stinks of smoke. Everyone was coughing throughout. I arrive home and Miriam's just sitting on the couch because she had gone home a little bit earlier and she just kind of went, how are you feeling? 
Hmm. And I went, I think it's too soon for me to talk about because I was really sad. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I went, well, I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> so she bursts out laughing and I burst into tears. Oh. Like I am devastated. But the worst part of all of this is the next day we had a funeral service at the church for one of our leaders. His wife had passed away and I arrived to the church and this is weird. You know, all the doors are open, all the windows are open. Nothing's prepared for the funeral. And I walk in and two of my leaders are waving books, trying to push the smoke out. It was still hovering around. It was around. still hovering wow. around. And so as guests were arriving for the funeral service, <laughs> Someone literally said to me, was there a fire? It's kind of smoky here. And there were some other jokes that were kind of made. And honestly, it was the worst service. Now, fast forward to us leaving this church to move to Midwestern. We left in a great positivity, great encouragement. And they signed this book. They actually put loads of photos in this book, loads of memories. There are so many comments about that. Carol's book of I can't oh, my words off. Wherever he goes, don't let him light don't candles. A thousand candles is too many. A hundred <laughs> yeah. will do. Yeah. And there was one, I particularly remember this, Barnabas, he wrote down, my favorite story about Ross uh, being the pastor at Lincoln Baptist Church was a story that I was never in attendance for. In fact, it happened before my time, but it's the infamous story of the carols <laughs> by candlelight and the day the organ survived. The day the organ survived. <laughs> and I'm not kidding you, to this day, it is the worst service I have ever led, ever. Yeah, it's the kind of thing that like should be in like the the best you know worst Christmas pageant ever, or oh, like one of those like yeah. you know kids plays or. Do you know what's even worse is the next year we did Carols by Candlelight. It was COVID. Our building was closed. We did a video version, and we put loads of candles behind me. This time, not a thousand. We did two hundred <laughs> candles across the floor. I'm preaching in a completely empty room, and as I'm talking about the light of the world, mm. Jesus Christ, gospel, candles behind me are going out. So every time I say Jesus, <laughs> and I, the video still exists, the the every time I say Jesus, the light of the world, a few candles go out behind me. And so again, someone made a montage and it was just like me saying, Jesus, candle goes out, light of the world, candles go out. And by the end of me doing this 20 minute talk on video, half the candle oh, So I now just avoid candles. And I've told this story a few times at Liberty Baptist now. And actually we did a, a, a carols by a candle, a kind of candle lit Christmas Eve. Yeah, that's right. And as I'm walking in, literally half the pastor's going, don't give him a candle. Don't give him a candle. <laughs> you know, the good news is, and I'm sure people listening have their own embarrassing stories. I don't even think you're and you know, our stories are compared to some that I've heard are really that all that bad. bad. Yeah. You know, everyone who's, you know, anyone who's preached for a while has some story like this or multiple stories like this. The good news is the Lord is so kind yes. <laughs> to use idiots like us. Yeah. <laughs> and our foibles and our flaws and our flubs, he, despite all of that, when the gospel is preached, embarrassing preacher or not, there is power there. Absolutely. And he really does use the foolishness of preaching. And, you know, the foolishness is, is foolishness on a, a number of levels, yeah. not least of which is because there are, you know, fools who are delivering this message to make his plans come about, yeah. to make his people enlivened to edify you know it's i find it interesting that invariably the times i think the sermon is great few people say anything yeah the times i think the sermon is terrible yeah invariably someone goes you know when you mentioned that what it really spoke to my heart or something and i just think that's the lord's sense of humor with us i think he's laughing 
at our almost setting the church on fire. He's laughing at our voices cracking while we think we're really being impressive. But he's also stooping in kindness yeah. to, to help us I mean, in all these moments. So many times I'm just like, I praise Jesus that we don't need to be professional about this. Yeah, that's right. You know, people heckling me. I had a Nigerian leader of my church that would walk in late every time because Nigerians are generally late. And he would always go, I walk in like a prince. And this is like, <laughs> what? like what? I don't know. Um, yeah, I've had members fall asleep on sermons and wake up at the exact wrong moment. Mm. Um, I've had issues or, you know, a guy would keep putting up his hand and going, I have a question. Can I just come up and uh, share the mic with you? And you're, just, you're standing there. I've had a baby dedication where the mother disappears. And I'm like huh. going through the service. It's 20 minutes into the service. And I know the next thing on the schedule is the dedication. And I can't find a mother. And I turn around and I see her running to the church. She went home to get changed, to come back, to oh get a different goodness. outfit. So I've had so many things. And I, I do, uh, my advice to everyone listening, if you're in any form of pastoral ministry, the preacher, the service leader, the worship guy, whatever, laugh them off. Enjoy it with yeah. your church. These are stories that just remind you, we are people, we are broken, we are humorous, comedic, we've got all these things. And the gospel's still proclaimed. And that's the beauty of the church. We don't need things to be perfect. And let's be, be real. Yeah, let's be honest too. That it's things like this that actually make us interesting. Yeah, it's not the it's not the impressive stuff that anyone's interested by. It's these sorts of things. Dear listener, if you've been impressed by this podcast, please leave us a good review. Or on tell Apple, us your story. Or tell us your story on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And until next time, may Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast. Hosted by Jared Wilson, Managing Editor of For the Church. Found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.